0: And I'm now honored to introduce our moderator for this evening's forum, John Metaxas. John's an award winning broadcast journalist with more than three decades of on air experience, including for the past 16 years on WCBS News Radio 880, and earlier on CNN, CNBC, and WCBS TV. He also broadcasts financial news for Bloomberg on stations across the country. John's an attorney admitted to the bar in New York and the Southern and Eastern districts and he is a member of SAG-AFTRA and serves on the Union's Broadcast Steering Committee.
1: I'm now gonna turn things over to John to explain the format for our forum and to get things
2: going for us.
3: John? All right, thanks very much, Mark, and uh, hello everybody from Katona. Welcome to tonight's Candidates Forum. I wanted to thank Northern Westchester Indivisible, Action Together, Northern Westchester, Voices Rising, and up to us for inviting me to moderate tonight's discussion. We're pleased to have five candidates who have done what's vital to our democracy. They've put themselves out there and they've asked for the opportunity to serve and we congratulate each of them. We're also pleased with the response to this forum. We've had more than 170 people who have registered and more than 70 questions were submitted for the candidates. Tonight's content and questions have all been informed by what you, the voters, have submitted to us. Dan Stoller, Mark Dembo, and I have taken your questions. We've distilled them down to several broader questions that I'll pose to the candidates. The clock is really our enemy tonight. Because we want to hear from every candidate on every question, we have to ask the candidates to keep their responses to a minute and a half. Dan will be our timer and we'll chime in with the word time when that minute and a half is up. We need the candidates to wrap up and finish when they hear Dan's signal. Because we have five candidates, we're budgeting about 10 minutes for each question and set of answers. And that means we may not get to more than seven or eight questions in the entire debate. So I will be posing broad, multifaceted questions and leaving it up to the candidates as to whether they wanna tackle the whole thing or focus on a part of it. Remember, this is not a debate, it's a forum. Candidates who want to respond to something another candidate says will have to wait until their next answer or their closing statements but each candidate will get to answer each question, and if everyone follows the rules, everyone will get equal time. Now, the idea here is to inform and educate the voters about the candidates' views. Each candidate will get a two-minute opening statement and a two-minute closing statement. Again, Dan will be our timekeeper for those. And to determine the order of questioning, I've put the names of each candidate on a piece of paper and put those in a biodegradable paper bag. And pull them out randomly and assigned each candidate a number from one to five. And we'll start with the opening statements in that order and then rotate the questions um, with a different numbered candidate starting each question, just to be fair. And the randomly drawn order of names are Chris Burdick, Kristen Browdy, Jeremiah Fry Pearson, Alex Roythmeyer, and Mark Jaffe. And uh, on your screens tonight, of course you're seeing the candidates as well as uh, Mark and Dan and me. Everyone else is muted and not visible. So it's uh, time now for our opening statements and uh, Chris Burdick, we begin with you. Well, thank
0: you, John. I'm Chris Burdick, I'm Bedford town supervisor. And I first want to thank the sponsors for putting this all together under such trying circumstances. I also want to thank the viewers for tuning in to hear about the candidates and the issues. As Bedford Town Supervisor over the last several weeks, I have been working really night and day to try to provide for the protection of my community during this crisis. Most recently, I've been working with the mayor of Mount Kisco to establish a drive-through testing facility because we know that to get out of this crisis, We have to do a lot of testing. Now as town supervisor for over six years, I'm very proud of my record of accomplishments. We've gotten a lot done in Bedford. We've cut greenhouse gas emissions by 44%. We built affordable housing that people thought we couldn't get done. We passed one of the toughest immigrant protection policies in the county. And just last month, we started in on a sewer project, so vital to both public health and the vitality of our business, over 100 years in the making. And all of that I couldn't really have achieved without working at every level of government, the state, the county, and New York City to get this done. And I've worked closely as well with my fellow supervisors and mayors, gotten to know them, gotten to know the problems with their towns, And I have been tenacious and persevere in order to get things done. I would take that experience. I would take that tenacity. I would take the connections that I have with the town supervisors and with the mayors so I could work for everyone in the 93rd Assembly District. Thank you.
3: Kristen Browdy, you're next. Thank you, John. And
4: hello, everybody. My name is Kristen Browdy. I'm a resident of Westchester for the past 16 years. The parent of two, the youngest is a sophomore at Horace Greeley. I'm a member of the steering committee of the New York State Council on Women and Girls, a member of the Westchester Women's Advisory Board, and the Chappaqua School System's Financial Advisory Committee. I'm the chair of the Cornell Alumni Ambassadors, president of two bar associations, and a trustee of the AFTRA Pension Plan. In my spare time, I'm a divorce lawyer. I take people who once swore they loved each other and now can't agree on much of anything and bring them to consensus, exactly the skill set needed for working with Democrats, especially those up in Albany. Now, I started this race talking about protecting our children and our families from gun violence, about social justice, and protecting our environment, talking about the work I've already done in Albany, the bills I've helped get signed into law, about relationships I've built with key legislative leaders of both houses and with the governor and his staff. That's still there. The 14 endorsements on my website tell that story. But the past three months have truly changed our world, and aside from the human toll and the devastating losses that so many have suffered, the virus has completely transformed the task that we'll be facing the next group of legislators. We'll still have to do redistricting for sure, but the toughest job that we'll face will be something that in this group of candidates, I am uniquely qualified to do. We're gonna have to manage a statewide recovery from the devastation that's been wrought on our state budget and on the budgets of every county and every town without losing sight of our priorities. I've already done that twice, steering the after pension system and two union health plans covering 120,000 people nationwide through two huge recessions. It's not pretty work, but it calls for the skill set that I've developed. I hope tonight we'll discuss that need and other issues, and I look forward to your questions.
3: All right, uh, Jeremiah Fry Pearson is next.
1: Thank you, John. Uh, thanks to Northern Westchester Indivisible, Action Together Northern Westchester, Voices Rising and Up to Us for sponsoring this forum and for all the work you do. And thanks to everyone who's taking time out to virtually participate in our democracy. My name is Jeremiah Fry Pearson. I'm a civil rights owner, civil rights lawyer. I run a small law firm in White Plains that does civil rights law. And I'm running for this district and I got into this race because we were at a time where government and institutions were too often taking advantage of the most vulnerable amongst us and failing regular people. And I spent my entire life, both as a civil rights lawyer and working in local government, taking on powerful forces and delivering real change and real results for real people. As a civil rights lawyer, I sued the worst nursing home in New York state and got a court order transforming that home. Something I'm very proud of is in that home, not a single human being has died of coronavirus. And I'm working with the New York State Nurses Association and various state legislators to bring those reforms statewide. Uh, In addition, when Donald Trump was putting kids in cages at the Mexican border, my law firm went down to the border and fought for those kids and those families. Here in White Plains, the mayor appointed me to chair the Committee on Sustainability and the Committee for People with Disabilities, where we improve lives by fixing sidewalks and making them accessible and bringing in solar panels. Right now, we're facing an unprecedented challenge in the state legislature, and I respectfully believe I'm best positioned to deliver results for every single person in our assembly district, stand up for our communities, and I would be so honored to have your support. And once again, I'm grateful to everyone who's taking time out of this evening, including my fellow candidates, to share their views. Thank
3: you very much. Now uh, we hear from Alex Reuthmayer.
5: Thank you. Uh, good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us. Uh, I want to special thanks Northern Westchester Indivisible, Acting Together, uh, Voices Rising, and of course, Up to Us for putting this together tonight. I would also like to thank our moderator for taking the time to lead this forum this evening. My name is Alex Roythmer. I was raised in White Plains, and I still live here with my beautiful wife, Megan. For the last seven years, I've had the honor and the privilege of working in the office of Assemblymember David Buckwald, and for the last four years as his chief of staff. I'm running to be your next assembly member because I want to continue to work and fight for the people of the 93rd Assembly District, just as I have day in and day out for the better part of a decade. I'm running because I know I am the most experienced person for this job. And these uncertain times, that's what we need in Albany. There is no learning curve with me. There's no hoping I have the skills. There's no hoping that I have the knowledge to achieve our goals. Just a record of success. I have managed an assembly office. I have crafted legislation. I've been part of the budget process. I've formed coalitions, foster relationships, and helped countless constituents in every part of this district. Whether it was helping someone deal with unemployment benefits, helping an immigrant family dealing with Social Security, or dealing with power companies during blackouts, I've consistently gotten the job done for the people of our district. And while this pandemic is like nothing else we've ever seen before, I've been there in the tent trenches uh, during difficult times that we faced. From the aftermath of Superstorm Sandy, the horrible train crashes at Metro North, the crippling blackouts that brought our lives to a halt, working in the assembly office has tested and proven my ability to work for you. On top of my experience, I'm also the only candidate best prepared to fight for you, to pass a bold progressive legislative agenda that will move New York State forward. Governor Cuomo himself said New York State was not prepared for this crisis. We cannot be caught off guard again. New York State has bounced back in the past from other disasters. We will learn from this one, Fine. thank you very much.
3: And now, uh, Mark Jaffe.
2: Thank you, I wanna thank uh,
3: Indivisible,
2: Up to Us, Action, and Voices. I am Mark Jaffe, I'm the CEO President of the Greater New York Chamber of Commerce. Uh, for the last two decades plus, I've been working with business leaders, civic leaders, assembly people, I've been working with the federal government, uh, local government, administrations of agencies like the Small Business Administration, holding their feet to the fire and listening to what they wanted. I've also started a legal center at the chamber. We give out uh, advice to our 30,000 business and civic leaders, good legal advice, and we advocate uh, for issues all the time. Some of the big issues that we're advocating for in today's uh, pandemic, crisis is jobs and small businesses. You all know that the CARES Act and the Small Business Administration uh, was supposed to funnel loans to small businesses, but the banks, the big leaders, they steered it to the larger businesses. And that's just not fair. What we need to do is bring some common sense up to Albany and fight for the regular hard working families, the individuals and the entrepreneurs that are the fabric of Westchester, where I grew up. I was born in Yonkers, two days later, my mom took me home to Dobbs Ferry, and now I live in Harrison. I understand how to build coalitions. We have over 30,000 business and civic leaders. We know how to create good jobs. We led the fight for 15 to increase and double uh, the wages of the majority of the working class, the lower working class, the entry-level people. Education, we're gonna bring down interest rates on student loans by holding those banks to task and creating a fund for that. And on public safety, I work with uh, a lot of police commissioners. I support POW, and uh, I'm looking forward to bringing my New York RX card concept, providing discounts and savings on prescription drugs, because we know those pharmaceutical companies are taking advantage of our hardworking families in our pocketbooks.
3: All right. Thank you all for your opening statements. Time now for our questions. I will we'll read the question at the beginning for the first candidate, and then uh, I won't read it again unless you ask me to, uh, to reread it. Our first question is directed uh, first to Kristen Browdy. The COVID-19 pandemic has changed the world we live in, starting here in Westchester, where New York's first hotspot was located. Among the governmental proposals in response has been to allow homeowners to temporarily defer their property tax payments if they can show hardship. What measures would you promote, including possibly expanded unemployment insurance, to deal with the public health and economic effects of the pandemic, especially if there's a resurgent second wave? Well,
4: thanks, John. In fact, one of the things that uh, I have advocated for already was just adopted uh, a few hours ago by Governor Cuomo. The State Commission on Women and Girls recommended actually seven uh, items, the principle of which, which is the most important from my perspective, is that testing be made available immediately for all pregnant women. Um, Obviously, pregnant women are uniquely at risk. As are people in my age group, the older age group, um, and right now, uh, one of the biggest problems has been getting testing for people who need it. And people have had to wait days and even weeks, first to get tested and then for results. And for somebody who was pregnant, that puts their, both both the mom and the fetus at serious risk. As far as expanding unemployment insurance, here's the reality. Um, the New York State budget was already tight. Uh, we just passed the legislature. It was one of the, it, one of the things that, that happened before they went out of session. Um, and there isn't any money for it right now. Yes, we, we're gonna have to expand unemployment benefits because it's gonna take a while for this economy to restart. But the money for that is going to have to come from Washington as Governor Cuomo has been absolutely forthright in saying, our state sends far more money to, to Washington than it gets back while Kentucky and Florida Take more money than they, get, than, they, than they give to the federal pot, and we right. are going to have to get that money back and fund the unemployment insurance.
3: All right, uh, Jeremiah Fry Pearson, what measures would you promote?
1: One of the great things about running in a democratic primary is the first thing I can say is I agree with everything that Kristen just said. Uh, in addition, um, there's a lot that we have to do, and I've released a detailed plan on, plan on my website. Uh, But just to talk about the property tax issue to begin with. Right now, folks don't don't have any income, and it's very important that we provide relief for property taxpayers. And I worked with George Latimer, who then went to Governor Cuomo and got property tax relief and a release um, from payments for people who can't afford to pay their property taxes in April. Very happy to have done that. We need to expand unemployment. The federal government needs to deliver, as Kristen said. We send a lot of tax dollars to DC and we're not what we need. We need to get the small business loan programs working. Uh, And that's, that's super important. Uh, We ultimately have got to restart our economy safely. Do that. We need testing everywhere. And then we need to provide as much support as possible to small business. So I'm a small business owner, my campaign, we shifted away from running to helping local businesses, and we've been helping small businesses go through the loan payment process. It is horribly designed, and that's Mitch McConnell's fault, but it needs to be much, much better. Um, we're gonna make it through this, we're gonna make it through stronger, but we have a lot of work to do. The most important thing government can do is help regular people make
3: All right, thank you. Um, next is, um... Alex Roithmayr.
5: Yes. Um, first thing I think we need to do, and someone in this position is, we need to reimagine New York in every aspect. When it com- of course, it comes to when it comes to our healthcare professionals having the gloves and equipment they need. That's where we need to start. Second, we need to get people back to work. Uh, we have a budget hole in in the in the state right now. Uh, but, and we have people who are not working and can't pay rent and can't pay their mortgages. I think the way we handle that is twofold. One, we do coalition building. We have to work with our federal representatives and, and Washington. In my time in the assembly, I've had the opportunity to work during crisis with Pearson Gillibrand's office and Chuck Schumer's office. We need relief packages from, from Washington that don't just give the individual money, but give municipalities money so they can pay the teachers, the hospital workers. The firefighters, the policemen. The next thing we need to do to fill that, that budget gap and to get reimagined New York is we need to find new revenue sources. That comes from, uh, that comes from legalizing cannabis as well as corporate, closing corporate tax loopholes. I think that uh, people are sick that bailouts go straight to corporations first, that needs to go to our communities, that needs to go to Bedford, that needs to go to the other eight towns. Um, the other thing I, to support businesses, Small, business, small businesses are running, people are working. We need to expand the PPP program, as well as do a, uh, a, an emergency money. insurance fund. Thank you.
3: All right, and Mark Jaffe.
2: Yes, we certainly need to work on our PPP program. Right now, they're giving money out, but it's been steered to the largest of companies who don't really need the money. You have to wonder where the $2.2 trillion went. And only 350 billion of it was designed to go to small businesses. It was terribly designed, and we've been in touch with uh, Schumer's office and Gillibrand's office. And the second phase, it crashed again. So we need to hold our federal government to task as far as expanding unemployment benefits. They're too generous already. I'm sorry if people are scared about that. But when you can stay at home making more money, the people that were low-level wage workers are making more money. Who who designed that program? Now we're going to have a hard time getting people back to work. They're going to want to stay on that program. And what we need to do is on getting restarting this economy, getting it back to new normal. We would provide training so people can learn how to do the work more on their computers. We would provide assistance. We're going to have to keep social distancing because this pandemic, they say it's coming around for a second round. We do need to do more research and find the cure and make sure we're not caught unawares again. Our leaders have done a good job keeping the deaths low. Our federal leaders have done a good job funneling money up to their favorite corporate partners, but the money has not come back to earth here in Westchester for our regular hardworking families, the entrepreneurs and the small businesses. We yeah. all know it, we're all talking to our, our local takeouts, and they need help.
3: All right, Chris Burdick. Well, I first want
0: to say that we're very fortunate in New York that we have such strong leadership with Governor Cuomo and here in Westchester County with George Latimer. And we're in a position now where we can see how they're leading us through this crisis in a remarkably good way. and. I'm proud that I was able to be part of the discussions with George Latimer, with my fellow supervisors and mayors, for example, in helping to craft the property tax relief program that now is in place and providing great flexibility to our property tax payers. But so now we have to manage a crisis and we have to manage it at every level of government, which is why at the town level I've been working so hard to help us out of it with the testing, with making sure that we can transition from there. Then we have the hard fact that this tentative budget that was adopted, there's a high likelihood that that's gonna get cut because revenues are falling so short, it could be as short as up to $14 billion. And I completely agree with Kristen that we have to implore our congressional delegation to do their utmost to get money from Washington at both the state and the local level, then it's gonna be a hard task of rebuilding. I have the experience of having been through the recession and doing all of that to help us get through
3: this. All right. Some of you have uh, already anticipated my next question, uh, which we're gonna pose to uh, Jeremiah Fry Pearson first. New York State does face a $13 billion budget shortfall because of the effects of the pandemic. As a legislator, how would you set budget priorities? How do you see the responsibilities of the legislature and the governor being shared? What austerity measures would you be willing to consider when it comes to essential services? Would you favor higher taxes on so-called millionaires and how would you structure that? what happens to overall tax rates and uh, how would you handle shifting uh, Medicaid costs to local governments? I know there are a lot of questions there, but I think you understand we kind of want your general overview on the whole budget situation.
1: John, that's a great question. I wish I had time to answer each one. I just want to quickly respond to a couple things my fellow candidates said. I strongly disagree with Mark, uh, respectfully, but strongly about cutting unemployment in this time. And also with respect uh, to Chris Burdick on property taxes, uh, Chris was fighting against George Latimer when George Latimer wanted to play on property taxes, and I was fighting with George Latimer and with Governor Cuomo's help. We won, and we delivered that relief for taxpayers. Right now, New York's facing an unprecedented budget crisis, and we need help from the federal government. We need Mitch McConnell to deliver money to us. Right now, New York it sends billions of dollars to Kentucky. Great. We're happy to do that need money to protect the jobs of teachers, firefighters, um, policemen, nurses, doctors. So we need more money from the federal government to make, to make our budget work. Uh, in addition, I, I'm strongly opposed to cutting Medicaid, especially in this deeply troubling time. If we need more health care, not less. Uh, I think we do need to raise revenues. We Frankly, raising taxes on millionaires is something I've long supported and it's necessary, and I think Governor Cuomo has done a wonderful job. One thing I respectfully disagree with him on would be the cuts to Medicaid. Right now, this is not the time to be cutting Medicaid. We need to stand up for everyone. We need to get the money from millionaires and from the federal government to make sure that we make it through this budget
5: crisis.
3: Time. All right, Alex Reuthman
5: Thank you very much for the question. Um, It's true. We are facing a $13 billion budget hole, and in four years, that's going to be closer to $60 billion. So what do we do? Like I said in my last answer, we need to work with the federal government. I'm not comfortable with talking about cuts to Medicaid or education for that matter, because we need to work and do coalition building with our federal representatives. Um, We need to look at the corporate tax loophole, and we need to look at taxing millionaires at a different rate that's what we need to do to make sure we don't cut stuff. I am very nervous about the governor's powers at this time. I think he's doing a fabulous job and showing a really good leadership, but he does have a lot of power when it comes to the budget currently. Something um, we've seen him do is do cuts to Medicaid. Uh, I think that is, this is a terrible time to do that. Keeping people in their homes, especially with home health aides, is what we need to do. Additionally, I am will stand strong against the governor if he tries to go into education funding to try to fund some of our budget gaps. I will stand with Shelley Mayer, Senator and Chair of the Education Committee, someone who I've been working with for a number of years. I think she's done a really great job during this emergency budget, budget, making sure that the governor has not gone into education funding. We have a tough road ahead of us, a tough economic road ahead of us. I am not willing to sacrifice the next generation of students as well as the most vulnerable to talk to, to fix that budget. Thank you.
2: And Mark Jaffe. Oh, yes. Well, first of all, let me explain the unemployment issue. I'm not in favor of cutting the program. But right now, if you have, for instance, a home health care aide earning minimum wage, we need to get that up because of, we need to get the heroes' wages up. But they're earning minimum wage, 30000 a year. Under New York State unemployment, they're getting half of that They're getting $300 a week, plus the federal government's $900 a week. They have an incentive to stay home. We need to make sure people have an incentive to want to come back to work. Yes, we are facing huge budget deficits. The money has been going out. It hasn't been coming back home to the hardworking families and regular folk. It's been going to the corporate leaders and favorites. So yes, we need to raise revenues. Millionaires tax, billionaires tax, cutting the corporate loopholes, The Greater New York Chamber has been a strong advocate for that for all these crises. In 2008, we demanded that we don't pay the $750 billion that the rich people did. Again, now in this pandemic, look who got the money. Follow the $2.2 trillion and now the trillions more that are coming. The regular folk aren't getting it. It's going to someplace else. As far as concessions, I'll be working with people like Chris Burdick, the mayors, the county legislators, people throughout the state to find out what they can do without. But make no mistake, we're facing hard times, inflationary pressures, and we need to be strong. We need to be pragmatic, and I'm that guy that you need in Albany. Chris Burdick.
0: Thank you. First, uh, just uh, Jeremiah, I think you just have your facts wrong, with all due respect. Uh, You weren't in the conversations with George Latimer, as I was with mayors and supervisors. And actually, that's a great example of how Democrats working together can come up with a collaborative solution. But turning to the real question at hand, we're going to have to take a very hard look at the budget and all aspects of the budget. We have to look at the expense side. There's been a lot of discussion about the revenue side. We have to look at capital programs, and they generate debt service, and we have to look at that. You know, For example, when there's discussion now about cutting Medicaid or, dis- or cutting schools, should we really be looking at a $300 million project for the Erie Canal? I think that those priorities need to be re-examined, and we need to take a hard look at that. I agree with the Suggestions that had been made and strongly support a billionaire's tax and legalization of marijuana, that would bring in some revenue. And I oppose having Medicaid be transferred to the localities. The county of Westchester is already highly burdened with that. And that's the wrong direction to go. I would take my experience with working with others, both those that uh, I've already worked with, with State Senator Shelley Mayer. and be able to restore, as best I can, cuts to those affecting the 93rd Assembly District.
3: Kristen Browdy.
4: That's way too many questions for 90 seconds, especially (laughs) when I want to push back uh, strongly on the suggestion made by Mark that uh, the deaths are low. We crossed a 1,000 deaths in Westchester today from the virus. More people have died than died in the Vietnam War. Um, So it's not time to talk about that. Um, And let me one more reality check though generally i agree with both chris and jeremiah on the principles no billionaire's tax no millionaire's tax is going to raise enough money to get us out of this chris's suggestion is exactly correct that the capital budget those capital expansions new projects can't go forward. What I'm worried about is that the climate change bill, which has $750 million in it, that's not gonna be able to go forward. And that the $3 billion bond issue that we're asking voters that will also be on the November ballot won't pass because we won't be able to afford the debt service. Yeah, uh, allowing marijuana legalization might raise some revenue, but the reality is that we are gonna have to work together and we are gonna have to all share in some pain in the next little period, while we work through this crisis, which frankly isn 't going to be thirteen billion dollars it 's going to be more. Um, I worked with Westchester to get the one percent extra sales tax revenue um, that was supposed to be one hundred and fifty million dollars we'll be lucky because of this if it turns out to be sixty. There are going to be holes all the way up and down the system that we 're going to have to plug, and there are going to be a lot of things that we just aren 't going to be able to do.
3: All right, thank you. Thank you all. And our next question will be posed first to Alex Reuth, Mayor. The COVID pandemic has highlighted inequalities, both economic and racial, that had already existed in our society. How would you address the specific plight of minority groups and people of lesser means who have been most devastated by the disease and suffered the worst economic consequences? And what can be done, for example, to promote food pantries? What other steps would you take and how might this apply to immigrants?
5: Thank you for for that question. Uh, The ultimate answer is to make sure when we reimagine New York State, when we rebuild after this tragedy, that we don't whitewash the situation and our solutions. We unfortunately, or fortunately we're having, there's a lot of data that shows that minority communities and people um, of a social economic level are being hit the hardest and are most vulnerable at this time. We need to stare at that in the face. We need to see who in the society are we depending on, who are our healthcare workers, who are, work- are working in our supermarkets, who is working in transportation. There'll be a time where we have to rebuild and we will have to restructure who and how we value society and who is working in there. You know, the people that work in the hospitals, the people that are working in the supermarkets, those are heroes to me. So, what's, what, so what we'll do moving forward is we'll make, we'll stare at that data, make sure our recovery is not whitewashed, that our most vulnerable people are the ones that this recovery is going to be centered around, including those people looking for, uh, looking for uh, food relief as well. Thank you.
2: All right, uh, Mark Chaffee. Well, first, I just want to say deaths were lower than expected. That's a good thing because of all the precautions our leaders like Governor Cuomo have taken we have a ways to go, but we have to start planning to get back to New York, get back to work, restart the economy. Yes, at the Great New York Chamber, we led the fight for 15. We were on the front page of Crane saying we knew nothing about business, but the economy was built strong because we doubled the wages of the lower class workers, the people that are now suffering because they're in denser populations, and they don't have as good access to healthy food, healthcare, and their, their bodies are more susceptible to this disease. So we need to keep up our good democratic social programs. I am a Democrat. I was endorsed by the Liberal Party. However, I'm fearful that the Democrats are taking us way too far to the left, and we don't wanna become socialistic. A billionaire's tax can be used to help the working poor and the, and the poor families that are being most affected by the COVID virus. There's no doubts in our mind that the Greater New York Chamber, that the rich are getting too rich, and the middle class and the people most affected by the COVID are being unjustly hurt. We need to fight harder for them. We have a record for it, and we will continue to do that.
3: Chris Burdick.
2: Thank you. We have to recognize
0: that we have, unfortunately, still in society institutional racism and discrimination. And I think that question really touches upon that. And we have to face up to it, call it out, and address it every place where it occurs. And then from the standpoint of our government and how we react to this, we have to focus on the things that are absolutely vital. We have to focus on jobs, we have to focus on housing, And we have to provide for support, as you had mentioned, for basic sustenance for food. In the area of jobs, one of the reasons why the Working Families Party has endorsed me is because I have a very strong record of doing everything I can within the town of Bedford to support our employees. And it's a diverse body there. And we have a diverse population in the town of Bedford. And I'm very proud of the record that I have with respect to that in rooting out any form of discrimination and racism through the policies that we have in the town of Bedford. We need to do that throughout the state. We need to do that wherever we find it. In the area of affordable housing, the state has to commit the money to provide for that so that at the local level, in the city of White Plains, Harrison, in every municipality, we have that ability to build the housing that's needed.
3: All right, Uh, Kristen Browdy.
4: Let's start with some facts here. Um, Outside the city of New York, 32% of the deaths have been of Black and Hispanic New Yorkers. They're only 21% of the population. Inside the city of New York, the statistics are even more brutal, 62% of the deaths have been of Black or Hispanic New Yorkers where the population is again far less. That's not an accident. They're the people not getting the medical attention, not getting the kind of care that the others get. Uh, On the front page of the Washington Post today was, was a story about someone who had waited and waited, a nurse who had waited for testing had been told, oh no, you can't have testing. She died of it, of COVID. That's happening over and over and it's something that I agree with Alex, we have to address, we have to look at squarely in the face. Um, In terms of the economic uh, inequality, that's something that our district is going to have a real problem with and we're gonna have to stand up and say look, even those of us who are living in a district that is far more wealthy than most districts in this state have an obligation to those who don't have that kind of economic ability and support And we're gonna be doing what Kentucky and what what New York is doing uh, statewide, that is sending more money to the state than we're gonna get back. And that's fine with me.
3: And uh, Jeremiah Fry
1: Pearson. One of the things that motivated me to get into this race is the moral failure that there are 22,000 children in Westchester who lived in poverty before this crisis. Um, and fighting child poverty is something I've done my entire career. Standing up for working people is something I've done my entire career. I represent underpaid workers, the grocery workers, the delivery drivers, who are not paid fairly, and I make sure they do get paid fairly. Um, when we talk about the structural inequalities and structural racism that pervade our system, it is our job to make those things better and to take them on Right now, 92% of black owned businesses are not even eligible for the PPP loans because of the way Mitch McConnell wrote the legislation. That's wrong. That is immoral. Uh, It is profoundly important that government represents every single person, every single voice, every single child in poverty, every single mother who has to choose between their child going hungry And going out to work in unsafe conditions, which is what the choice that we are forcing on people right now with unemployment failing. It is a moral imperative that we do better for those who are not treated equally in this country. It is what I have spent my entire professional life doing. And I promise you, if you send me to the assembly, working on inequality and social justice issues will drive me.
3: Our next question uh, will be addressed first to Mark Jaffe. Even before the COVID outbreak, many small businesses were struggling to survive in our local downtowns in the face of high rents. Now, of course, they have very different problems. What will you do to help these businesses recover from the disappearance of their revenues and to make sure that our local downtowns can recover its vital business hubs?
2: Great question for our Chamber of Commerce president. Now, One of the transformations, reimagine New York. People are working without going into their brick and mortar places. We need to start getting them back to that. We're social human beings, as the governor says. We're not allowed to go out except to the supermarkets. We have to figure out a way with the proper precautions to let people get back into these stores, wear face masks, let these people get back to work. We have to put together a coalition with the landlords. The landlords are in for a tough road because people are going to stop renting as large a commercial space, and it's gonna start benefiting these people at the bottom. Reverend Jesse Jackson talks about economic empowerment. We stopped slavery many years ago, but we still face racial injustice because of of the difference in, in wages. We need to help these small businesses by helping them get their people back, encouraging them to come back to work, and getting people incentives to go out and go go back, make it feel safe. We need to make people feel safe, help them understand the PPP programs, and make sure on the third round and the fourth round that these monies are not only going to the hospitals and the major corporations, but going back to the fabric of what we know so well, our small businesses, our restaurants, and the shop owners that we need to help to get back to the, uh, to the Main Street America that we know and love. Thank you. Chris Burdick?
0: Thank you for the question. As supervisor of the town of Bedford, I've been extremely concerned about the plight of our small businesses. You now they're fighting against a very difficult environment, fighting against the Amazons of the world, and we need to do everything we can to support them. And that's why in the town of Bedford, I've been working so hard for our sewer project. Now that happens to be in the town of Bedford, what will help them. We need to look at this brick by brick. We need to look at every municipality in the 93rd Assembly District and identify what is it that can help each of those small businesses, whether it be in White Plains, whether it be in Bedford, whether it be in uh, North Castle, identify each component of it. One of the main things that we've been pressing is to buy local. Because buying local not only supports our small businesses, but it's one of the greatest ways of furthering our objectives with dealing with the climate crisis. And so I would advocate that we we need to look at it and we need to really uh, be very granular about it. And I would be working with every one of the mayors and supervisors that I've already been working with and say, what is it that we can do to help? What grants can I help you get? What is it that we can do to help the small businesses specific to your situation?
3: Kristen Browdy.
4: I've already been working on this and we've done a couple of things because it's not enough to get our people healthy. We have to keep our communities healthy too. One of the first things I did was start working with local business owners here, small business owners, and get them involved in curbside contactless de- delivery. And we got that, but it didn't really work as well as we wanted. So I organized a meeting, a Zoom meeting like this one, of all the Chamber of Commerce, the local Chamber of Commerce leaders in Northern Westchester, and we had a discussion on what would work. And then uh, actually one of our local high school students came up with the idea of Rescue Main Street. We have Mother's Day coming up and Father's Day coming up. And we started telling people, look, we're all gonna, in spite of this, be buying gifts for the people we love. So why not go to local businesses? Why not buy gift cards right now? Buy them now while you can. And that will tide over these business owners with an infusion of cash, because we know that the federal programs haven't gotten to the local business owners. They've been going to the NBA clubs and the, and the major airlines with this small business aid. So those kind of creative programs are what we're doing at the local level. And we're gonna keep that up until we can reopen. But I, I, I want to just talk for a second, if I have still have the time, about the rent issue, which is a significant issue, and I want to absolutely speak to the wonderful work that some of the commercial landlords are doing in working with their tenants and saying, "Look, we know time. that
3: you can't pay.
4: We'll wait, and that's good work:
3: Jeremiah Fry Pearson. I'm a small business owner
1: myself, and something I'm very proud of is my law firm employs 17 people. We employed 17 people when this virus started, and we still employ 17 people. I know how hard it is for businesses to balance their budget and keep their payroll, and it is government's job to help. Uh, Right now, with my campaign, we are helping people process these horribly designed loans that the federal government created And it is so important that we get money to small businesses so that they can save jobs. Um, But a really big key to this is testing and making our economy safe. Our economy is not going to recover until it is safe for people to patronize local businesses. So I agree with most of the ideas that have been proposed and it is very, very important that we keep our small businesses going. They are the backbones of our community urge everyone to order as much takeout as you can. I know I've been doing that. Um, and just generally to be there for our small business people and also to fight for workers. Uh, things like paid sick leave, those actually benefit small businesses. I'm proud my business did it voluntarily. And I look forward to fighting for things like that in the assembly.
3: Alex Reithmeyer.
5: Uh Yes, thank you for the question. Um, we're not... You, know, you can order all the takeout you want, but that's not going to fix this problem for our small businesses. Uh, in the in my time in the assembly, the last seven years, I have been played a part in get, with David Buckwald hosting small business forums, where he really would co- get business leaders to come together and to listen. I have benefited from my relationship with all the chambers of commerce in the 93rd Assembly District, and listening to these business leaders, they're asking for a few things. Something that was touched on uh, was the PPP program, but something that was not brought up yet was uh, something that was done after 9-11 in Lower Manhattan. That's an insurance protection program. I think we need to look into that, that worked for Lower Manhattan, that got businesses back on their feet that way. I think we need to look and just do a a fund like that, as well as, uh, it was touched on a little bit, corporate tax loophole. Too much of the economic bailouts are going to these major corporations. It's time for them to pay their share and help rescue our downtowns. Thank you.
3: Thank you. Our next question now is addressed first to Chris Burdick. The primary you're running in has been postponed to June because of the COVID pandemic and the June presidential primary in New York York has been canceled. What do you believe needs to be done to protect the integrity of the November election and what further election reforms would you propose once in office?
0: Well, I have to first applaud the governor for providing absentee ballots without having to provide an excuse that it's sufficient to simply say the pandemic crisis. And I think that that should be done universally. I think that it should be done nationally. Mailing, uh, being able to vote by mail, being able to do everything that we can to encourage people to vote. And clearly we have a problem with Mitch McConnell, who's blocking that at the national level, but we should do everything we can at the state level to increase the ability for people to vote. And I, I tend to feel that the, uh, the charge that there'd be fraud by various means of trying to expand the ability to vote I think they're overstated. I also think that they primarily come from Republicans who don't wanna see larger turnouts because it will mean that more Democrats will get elected. But in the small d democratic meaning of it, we, we need to provide for as much ability for people to vote as possible. Who can vote by mail, vote with, by absentee ballot without an excuse be able to register on the spot when you go and to to vote. All of that should be done as promptly as possible. And I would fight for it very vigorously.
3: Kristen Browdy. Well, first, John, let me correct
4: you. Our primary wasn't postponed. It was always June 23rd, Um, but um, the presidential primary has now been canceled. Frankly, there are a lot of people who think that's a mistake, um, although, you have to balance the possibility. We're gonna have a primary on June 23rd anyway, so polling stations are gonna be open. I don't know that it will actually endanger more folks to allow voting, even though there seems to be only one presidential candidate left. Uh, Both the Sanders and Yang campaigns have protested, uh, or some of their their supporters have. And I have some sympathy for that. Uh, Mitch McConnell can do whatever he wants. Voting and the, the rules governing voting are state issues. And the legislature sets those rules with the cooperation you have to get a bill signed by the governor or you have to veto override and there's no no thought that that's going to happen um, we're doing the right things we now have pre-registration for 16 year olds when you're 16 you can pre-register to vote when you vote at 18 uh, and, and sending out absentee ballot applications is not the same as sending out ballots people are going to have to mail back those applications fill them out mail them back to get a ballot. That's an extra step that I'm not sure is a great idea. We have a, prime, a historical problem, getting people to vote in primary elections. If you look at the turnout in this assembly district in democratic primaries, it's abysmal. It just is. And Chris is right, when Democrats vote, Democrats win. Time. We have to get our people to vote every
1: time.
3: Jeremiah Fried Pearson.
1: So I've long been a proponent of vote by mail. And I think in this crisis, voting by mail is essential. Uh, I actually think that ballots should be mailed to every single registered voter. I'm a big believer in more democracy and everyone getting a chance to vote. I agree with uh, Kristen and Chris. Mitch McConnell is a, um, is a bad person and has a bad influence on our democracy. And pretty much every idea he has should be rejected. Um, what happened in Wisconsin is a travesty. We should not make people vote when it's unsafe. Um, So I'm a big proponent of voting by mail here. Um, And here there's going to be an election. And if it were up to me, I would have let all the presidential candidates be on the ballot. I'm a big fan of more democracy, not less. Uh, At the same time, we need to make it easier for people to vote, which means I would have voter registration mailed to everyone when they turn 18 I would let people register to vote the same day. When Democrats vote, Democrats win, and Republicans win elections because it's too difficult to vote, and a lot of working people can't turn out to vote. We have to change it. And lastly, just we're voting in a time of COVID. It's really hard. This is a challenge. But our democracy survived in the Civil War, in the midst of World Wars. We're gonna figure this out, and we're gonna make our system better with voting by mail.
5: Alex Royth Mayor. Uh, thank you for that question. Uh, I was actually in Albany when, a lot, when the primary date was changed to match up with the federal primary. Uh, I think New York State has done a very good job of expanding voter rights, and I applaud the governor for expanding absentee ballot voting. I think that's very important. I disagree that uh, the presidential primary has been canceled. I think that would have done a lot for turnout, but mostly to make sure everyone feels heard. I feel we need to keep going. Um, I feel that in Albany, when I'm the assembly member, I'll be pushing for automatic voter registration. You turn 18, you're registered to vote. That's the way it should be. Uh, I am worried about our bureaucracy. We have, during this crisis, we have seen our bureaucracy and especially our unemployment assistance programs get overloaded. I'm, I'm worried that our Board of Elections will not have the funding or the people they need to facilitate this properly. I want I want us to lean into this and make sure that they're supported because this is the first year we are trying absentee ballot voting at this scale. We need to make sure we don't mess it up. Thank you.
3: And Mark Jaffe.
5: Well,
2: the uh, absentee ballot applications will soon be in the mail. And, and Kristen's right. Now we need to get people to fill out their ballot, put their stamp on it, and vote. So I don't think we're going to see high turnouts, particularly since we canceled the presidential election, but people should have a voice. If you talk about bureaucracies, Congress right now is, is, is not in session. They're working, they're working, they say, but they're not in session. I guess they're not essential is what we're hearing today. But the Board of Elections has been working overtime, and they're going to need to, because as Alex said, we have to get this right because people like Mitch McConnell and the hardcore Republicans here are gonna laugh if it's not done right, if there are claims of voter fraud or misrepresentation. I don't see any of that happening in our assembly district. It's a blessing that Governor Cuomo was smart enough to look at the public safety to get those absentee ballots, but I'm hoping, we're pushing for, with the curve going down, that we can get back to normal and we see a good turnout at the polls, people wearing their face masks, social distancing, training the the people that are gonna take the vote to keep us safe, but we need to get back to normal because this will be the first example of how we can help our main street businesses, our small businesses to survive and thrive in what we will know as the new normal.
3: All right, thank you all. My next question uh, is another multifaceted question and my apologies for throwing so much into it. I'm gonna address it to Kristen Browdy first. Next year's legislative session will be tasked with redrawing the uh, the legislative districts in the state in line with the results of the 2020 census. What proposals would you advocate if the census results are delayed because of the pandemic? How would you deal with the issue of gerrymandering? What would you do about oddly shaped districts like the state senate district that snakes up from Yonkers to Bedford? with one congressional seat or maybe two likely to be lost, how would you decide whose seat is eliminated? And do you anticipate that the northeast corner of Westchester County, which is now in Congressional District 18, will be united in a district with the rest of Westchester? I know there's a lot there.
4: No, John, it's it's like you read my website from day one. That has always been my number three issue in this entire campaign. The biggest task before this this uh, virus and the, the budget problem that the legislature is gonna have to face next time around is redistricting. And protecting Sean Patrick Maloney in District 18 is gonna be critical. We are gonna lose one or two seats in New York State in Congress. But dealing with the local legislative districts which have been gerrymandered over the years to protect Republicans is a critically important thing. And it all hinges on the census, which is in fact being Not delayed at the moment, but the turnout in the census is down, Um, and our towns are usually, or at the moment, as of the last numbers I saw, generally somewhere in the high 50s or low 60 percent in filling out the census. That's not good enough. One of the things we've got to do, even during this time, is get people to fill out that census because not only does it talk about redistrict, dictate our redistricting priorities, each locality loses several thousand dollars per person who doesn't get counted in federal and state aid. And that is vital. So redistricting is is going to be a top priority and making sure those districts are drawn properly. But first, we got to get that census filled out.
3: All right, Jeremiah Fry Pearson. So
1: one of the worst, one of the many things politicians do that we should do better is they use their powers for the politicians to pick the voters who elect them instead of the voters picking the people who are going to represent them. I support Senator Mike Gianaris's Mm -hmm. independent uh, redistricting commission and legislation. And I think we have got to protect Democrats, which we will do. If things are drawn fairly, New York is going to vote for Democrats. The state overwhelmingly rejected Donald Trump. And we need more democracy, not less democracy. When you see things like what's going on in Texas, where the districts are drawn horribly so that you know, only Republicans win with one or two exceptions, that's wrong, it's morally wrong, and that's why we need an independent commission to deal with redistricting. I agree with Kristen, we've got to do everything we can to make sure that Sean Patrick Maloney um, gets reelected, and to make sure that, uh, personally, I hope David Buckwald is our next first member and I hope he continues to win re-election. We cannot get rid of a single congressional representative in Westchester this community needs representation. It needs fair representation. It needs people who believe genuinely in good government and making government work for all of us, not just the political insiders.
3: Alex Mayer.
5: thank you. Um, yeah, you know, I very much believe in an in independent uh, for redistricting. Outside of that, I would be relying on the connections that I've made and the relationships that I've. I've had to make sure that what we're not going to lose the leaders that we have. We have a fabulous coalition of leaders currently in Westchester County, and I would say we're very well represented on every facet of government. Protecting that in an ethical way is what I'm looking into. Um, On the other side, you know, we're not at redistricting yet because I've been in talking with the census takers and the Census Bureau checking in with them. You know, the enumerators would have been out by now. We are very far behind in even trying to make up that gap from people, one of, the be- one of the main things we have to do is we have to get the data and the data is not coming in. We'll talk about redistricting and talking about the ethics of that, but we, we're not even on step zero. When this pandemic is affecting a lot of our infrastructure and right now the census is the big one, it's hard to talk about redistricting without knowing um, how active people are gonna be. So get- getting census as accurate as possible and all these people, it should be encouraged every second of every day by every leader. So that's where I would start. Thank you.
2: Mark Jaffe? Yes. Well, you know, we're going to be hurting again. New York, uh, as we talked about earlier, we pay more to the federal government than we get back. Uh, Donald Trump took big chunks out of our wallet when he, he passed his terrible tax deductibility against tax deductions. Terrible. We only have two United States senators and look at our population and you go across to to states that don't have the population of Broome County upstate. They have the same voice out of 100. It's terrible for us. With this pandemic, the hard reality is we're not gonna get a fair census count. We weren't getting them before. We spend more time and effort running elections than we do getting a fair count of of money of heads so that we can get our fair share of money. So we need to, be prepared to lose a congressional seat. I think everybody thinks we may do that. But when it comes to how we should shape these districts, we don't really have to worry as Democrats too much. We, can, we control the house, uh, both houses right now. So we should be able to get a fair look at what a district should be. And you have some of these circuitous districts. Uh, Shelley Mayer will tell you she's in a district. I'm sure Nita Lowey will tell you. Uh, you know she's serving two counties. Uh, some of these districts are just silly. So let's get them back to where people can get to their elected official's office quicker. Um, sure. Let's keep them geocentric.
3: Thank you, uh, Chris Burdick. John, thank you for the question.
0: And you know, you touched upon it with the word gerrymandering. Uh, Gerrymandering is just a prime example of why there's so much public mistrust in political institutions. And we have to make sure that we have a fair process. And I completely support the independent commission for redistricting. And we have to let it do its work. And we have to realize that if we deviate from that, then we are then denying the entire process that we're saying that we're supporting. But I have to go back to the initial point about what the numbers will be. And that comes back to the census. And you know, we were looking at monies, grants that municipalities would have in order to promote the census. But as has already been noted, it's incredibly difficult to do that in the middle of this pandemic crisis. You can't get counters out there to go out to the communities. And and we need to be able to get that process up and running again in order to have a fair chance of getting our numbers up. Because whether it's one or two is gonna largely depend upon making sure that every person is counted. And we're doing that very, energetically in the town of Bedford, and we're doing it throughout, I think, the district. We need to do more.
3: Thank you all for those answers. Our next question is posed to Jeremiah Fry-Pearson. What is your position on the legalization of marijuana? What role does the state budget crisis play in that calculus? How will you ensure for equitable treatment of communities of, of color? And what support would you offer to police departments, state, county, and local, in the event that they're dealing with uh, increased traffic fatalities after legalization?
1: Great question. I strongly support legalizing marijuana. It is absurd waste of money and human lives to put people in jail for putting a recreational substance, and in some cases, a medical substance in their body. Um, Right now, our government, uh, historically, has spent money prosecuting people and putting them in jail when instead we should be taxing marijuana and enjoying the revenue and using it to help our budget. You go to Mass- in Massachusetts, they make money off of this. We should be doing the same thing. And you're right that drug prosecution has historically targeted communities of color, which is why when we complete legalization of marijuana, which needs to happen yesterday and will be a top priority of mine when we get into the assembly, We have got to make sure that the business opportunities go to communities of color. And I want to just generally talk about criminal justice reform. As a civil rights lawyer, I have repeatedly seen people of color treated very unfairly by our criminal justice system, which sometimes prioritizes putting people in jail. We have to end that. One quick thing I want to touch on um, is You need to also support police departments in being able to determine if someone is driving well high. Uh, That's just a practical issue, and it's something that I support. And obviously, legalizing marijuana doesn't mean you're legalizing unsafe driving. But we can do this smartly and to the benefit of our entire community.
3: Thank you, Alex Reuthmayer.
5: Thank you for the question. Excuse me. Uh, I do believe that cannabis should be legalized and should be taxed. I was in Albany when uh, decriminalization happened and I saw the legislators not have the appetite for legalization. One of the reason why reasons why was because they couldn't figure out put in the language how communities hit the hardest by the war on drugs would get benefited the fir- first. I think when I'm in Albany, that's something I plan to be a leader on about doing that. I believe, like I said, cannabis should be legalized, but we need to make sure everyone's at the table when it comes to implementation. Uh, as mentioned before, you know, Colorado was doing great, except uh, with cannabis legalization, except for the rates of DUIs. Currently, there is not a breathalyzer test about how to 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 measure how intoxicated somebody is. You know, I support cannabis legalization, but I do not want that to come at the expense of a pub, of the public health. So thank you very much.
2: Mark Chaffee? Well, if we can beat this pandemic crisis, crisis and we're on our way to doing that, I'm sure we can come up with a test and, and train our policemen. Yes, we need revenue sources. Earlier, I proffered the billionaire's tax. They certainly can kick in. Obviously, it'll, it'll apply to millionaires too. But we can't bring that tax down to the middle class. What we can do is stop the black market on marijuana and cannabis. It's obviously something that can bring a lot of revenue to the state. And when it's uh, legal, we can regulate it, teach about its safety, bring it out in the light. We've done it with alcohol. Doesn't mean everybody's an alcoholic. Uh, We need to legalize marijuana and take those revenues to help our police, to help our public schools to educate about the dangers, when to use it, if you can use it, use it safely. Is it prescribed? Is it a weekend getaway? We need to legalize the drug because without legalization, we're crowding our jails, we're losing revenue, and we're keeping taxes, much needed taxes away from the hardworking families.
3: And uh, Chris Burdick?
0: Yeah, I, I strongly favor the legalization of marijuana. Uh, I, it makes no sense to me that we would allow a black market to continue and we should be regulating the sale of it and doing it in a way that's equitable and touching upon the concern about doing it to be sure that it's done in a way to help our poorer communities and those uh, with people of color that are at the bottom of the economic scale, we need to be sure that when the government does, when the state government licenses those businesses to sell the marijuana, that the economic concerns of the least capable, the least, those areas most impacted economically are taken into consideration. I do think that we're going to have to do it smartly. We're going to have to figure out a way in which we can do it safely and work closely with our local law enforcement agencies so that it can be done safely. But I think it's the right way to go. And I agree with Kristen that we shouldn't think that this is a panacea to budget problems. It will bring in revenue, but it's not a panacea.
3: Kristen Browdy?
4: I guess I'm the only one here who's a parent of kids who would be of the age that they might be smoking. I have a 16-year-old and a 20-year-old, and I'm very conflicted about this, and I'm surprised that some of the candidates don't seem to know the difference between uh, decriminalization and legalization. Uh, People are not in jail at the moment, aren't being put in jail. What they should be, now that we have decriminalization, is those convictions for minor marijuana offenses should be expunged, and I would support legislation on that. But there you know, wishing it were so does not mean that the police department has have a test. And Alex is exactly right that Colorado's biggest problem uh, is that there is an increase in DUIs and there's no way to test truly for DUI when it comes to marijuana. That's a problem. Uh, Do I think that it'd be a a tax revenue source? Great, but that's not not the, the issue here. I want our kids to be safe. Every year in our town we hear of one or two kids killed in awful accidents because they're driving while usually not drunk at this point, usually while high. And it's a big problem in northern Westchester where teenagers don't have that many resources and things they can do. They get high, they get into wrecks, and it's the parent of a 16 and 20 year old, that troubles me. So I'm conflicted about it. Morally, do I see any difference between it and drinking? No, but until we can get a test that our police departments can apply, I don't know that I'd go all the way to legalization.
3: All right, I think I'm going to try to squeeze in one more question before our closing statements. We may end up going a minute or so over, but I think we started a minute late. So I'll address this next one to Alex Roethmayer. How would you assess the success or failure of the 2% property tax cap and what would you advocate for the adequate funding of our schools?
5: Um, so thank you for that question. I feel that the tax the tax cap has been a good move in making sure that property taxes have not skyrocketed or run away. It's one of the things that Governor Cuomo has implemented, and I think generally it's been working well. I would have some tweaks onto that. Currently, I don't believe there is an incentive for a municipality to come under the tax cap. I think that just uh, Given that every municipality is going to hit the 2%, I don't think is, is good. Uh, I think that we need to, and we'll see how the budget comes out, but if there's more incentives for municipalities to have lower tax raises, I think that's something we'd be looking into. Um, when it comes to education funding, we, you know, we saw that it was, uh, it was stagnant this year, and that was a victory. When it comes to how we're going to fund our education system, right now I believe it's more about making sure it doesn't get stripped to fund other budget holes. Thank you.
2: Mark Jaffe? It's a scary thing to think of how we're going to fund future public education because of the huge budget gaps and also the need of our children. We're now advocating to put kids into school pre K. Uh, We need uh, dual income families to have educational opportunities from young right up through their senior year. Uh, And then The colleges. So what we're going to need to do uh, to help our special needs kids and the growing needs for smaller classes is to work with the New York State Union of Teachers and make sure that we get more teaching assistance, an entry level job that will help keep the beautiful public school systems that we have strong the way we know it, but using assistance so that we can get more hands in to help the growing needs of kids. And we're also going to have to look at some distance learning. Uh, but we, we need to be careful because we are facing huge budget gaps and we can't use tricks anymore. The money's out there. We need to look at a billionaire's tax. We need to look at being pragmatic and very efficient at our much needed uh, institutions, transportation, education. Education, we can't do without we're going to have to be very creative and very forceful in working with the, the public school systems to get more hands to help our children grow up to be functioning parts of the new America.
3: Chris Burdick? Chris, you're muted. Chris, uh, can you?
0: Sorry about that. Okay. Thank you for the question. As supervisor of the town of Bedford, I've been living with the property tax cap. And prior to that, as a member of the town board now for some 12 years. And I feel that the 2% property tax for the municipalities is something that we needed and I support it. Uh, I would say, however, that there are instances in which there are public emergencies or public projects that need to be supported and may cause the municipality to exceed the tax cap. We did that, for example, when we built the water filtration plant, because for municipalities, unlike school districts, the debt service that comes from capital projects is included in the computation of the tax cap. I thought that was the right thing to do from a public health standpoint. There's a separate question that you're asking really about school funding, and I I support the position of the New York State United Teachers, which is to fully fund the foundation aid formula. And we're going to have a hard time doing that under the austere budget that we can expect is going to occur. And I would work very closely with State Senator Shelley Mayer, who heads the committee in the Senate, together with State Senator Peter harkum to work to do everything we can to get the funding that we're going to need for our
3: local schools. Thank you. Kristen Browdy?
4: I've been a member of the Chappaqua School System's Financial Advisory Board for quite a while, and we've wrestled with the 2% cap. And we've been under the cap, not at 2% uh, for a number of years. It's been a big problem, particularly because we've had to come up with money for school safety to protect against gun violence, and that's where the real rub comes in. It costs us teaching positions. And I'm sorry, no number of entry level teachers are gonna replace the qualified and really wonderful teachers we have. It's a real tension and foundation aid isn't the answer. Uh, The foundation aid formula, frankly, is something that has to be completely revamped. The New York state budget, the money we're gonna be getting from Albany isn't gonna be enough. The 2%, but we can't raise property taxes. That just drives out seniors and makes it the Westchester unaffordable for kids like mine who want to stay in town after they graduate from college. So we have a real problem here. No millionaire's tax is going to pay for it. You can't, I mean, the number of things that millionaires and billionaires' taxes are supposed to pay for from this group is, is, is a little bit scary. Um, it just doesn't work that way. We are going to have to work together and we're going to have to get, frankly, more federal aid. We're going to have to get more federal money back if we're ever going to tackle this
1: problem.
3: All right. uh, Jeremiah Fry Pearson.
1: I agree with the property tax cap. Property taxes
3: are um,
1: very unfair to working people. And too often you hear about folks who bought a home and then have to leave our community because they can't afford to pay the very high taxes. If we were starting over, I don't think we would have property taxes. I think we would rely much more on income taxes and taxing folks who make a lot of money. Millionaire and billionaires tax with respect, Kristen, I think you should tax income, not property, so you don't force people out of of their land. Um, So I'm a strong supporter of the property tax cap, but it does, we obviously have huge budget problems. As a graduate of Westchester Public Schools, John Jay High School, I know how important our schools are and how much our teachers are struggling. I agree with Chris. There has got to be a fully funded school program, fully funding the foundation money, as much money as possible to schools. Um, And we've got to raise that money. And with respect, we're going to need, within the current crisis, we're going to need money from Washington. um, And we're also going to need the money that we can revenue from taxing the super rich.
3: All right, uh, we're just about at the end of our program and it's time now for our closing statements. And uh, we will begin those. With Mark Jaffe.
2: Well, thank you again. Um, we need to rescue America, and we're a big part of America. We're, we're right here in the hub of everything. Unfortunately, we're in the hub of the pandemic. I want to use my leadership skills, building coalitions, fighting for small businesses to help us get our jobs back, and working with the health officials to make sure it's safe and pragmatic. I want to build and end uh economic inequality, I wanna build better jobs. We led the fight for 15, we'll continue for those programs. And we can use tax credits. People need to be part of the system. When they pay their sales tax as they should, they should be able to apply to get it back if at the lower end of the ladder. Progressive policies work, but they have to make common sense. We want Amazons here, but we wanna tax them when they're making revenues. We wanna tax the billionaires, it's a huge amount of money. Tax caps, we led the fight for it as a homeowner. I thought it was ridiculous. 12 years ago, we're shouting out for it. It's a good thing. Now it leads to other problems. How do we fund our education? Our kids need a good education. We need to work with the New York State Union of Teachers. We need to get them additional resources and assistance because this is an unsustainable educational model. And as far as public safety goes, we're gonna work very hard with our police, our firefighters, we're gonna use revenues from legalized sources like marijuana to get them more tools to keep us safe. And education is a big part of that. I'm Mark Jaffe. I'm running to be your state assemblyman. I'm not going up to Albany to be a career politician. I'm going up to fight for our hardworking families, the individuals, the entrepreneurs that want to play a fair game, but it's stacked against us. It's stacked against us because of corporate tax loopholes. It's taxed against us from greedy politicians that make careers out of it, and yet they're not doing enough work and fair work for all the people. Shame on Congress for being closed. They're essential to leading us out of this. And this bill that they passed, this CARES Act, was a travesty. It didn't get back to Main Street America. We have surveyed our membership. We've been on CNN. We've been in the Wall Street Journal, Cranes, New York, and it's still crashing. It's still failing us. My number one priority is to get us back to work get us back to work and a new normal. Thank you for that. Now Chris Burdick.
0: I first wanna thank the sponsors again for bringing about this forum. I also wanna thank my fellow candidates for a lively discussion. And mostly I wanna thank the viewers for learning about the candidates and the issues. And we have the good fortune of having a very progressive legislature, probably one of the most progressive in history and working together with Governor Cuomo, they've gotten a lot done in the last two years. But there's still a lot more that needs to be done. Such issues as the climate crisis and healthcare and women's reproductive health rights and gun safety. Now you have five progressive Democratic candidates that you've heard from tonight. And as one of those progressive candidates, I would work tenaciously on all of those issues. But there's another aspect of being a member of the assembly. And that's the nitty gritty work of government. It's not that glamorous, but it needs to be done. That's the work of looking into how do you get funds to the district, grants to the district? How do you get funds for the affordable housing? You need to be able to know how to work that system. And I have the experience of having done that whether it's the affordable housing project with Antioch Baptist Church, or whether it's getting funds for a sewer project, that's working with government. And I've worked alongside of mayors and supervisors during these last seven years. And that's why so many of the elected officials in the 93rd Assembly District have endorsed me. And anybody who knows me knows that there's no one who will work harder, who will work more tirelessly to get these objectives fulfilled. So I ask for your support in the June primary. Thanks very much for the opportunity.
3: Thank you, Kristen Browdy.
4: Thank you for listening to us all this evening and for the work so many of you have done over the years to make our district a better place for all of us. Given the challenges we've faced, particularly in the last three years, that together we've battled the forces of Trumpism to at worst a draw is a pretty substantial accomplishment. We have to keep that going and we cannot take chances. Incredible though it may seem, it is not a foregone conclusion that we're going to reclaim the White House this year. And that leaves us in a position of having to protect New York when we know that Washington won't. On that, given my visibility as a proud and out transgender woman, you know I am all in. But that is not the reason that I'm asking for your vote. The differentiator here is in two key areas. Number one, my experience and the skills I've developed in steering multi-billion dollar complex organizations through financial carnage of two deep recessions. And number two, the relationships I've built. I've been appointed to positions by our county executive, our governor, leaders of universities, unions, and school systems. I have brought people with disparate interests together and helped create consensus on a path forward. I guess it's those divorce lawyers' negotiating skills that have protected the pensions and the health care, steered major bills through the legislature and onto the governor's desk. I don't know if you can see it back on the wall behind me. There are two pens that Governor Cuomo used last year to d- sign two of my bills into law. It's that skill set, that level of experience in Albany that I believe sets me apart. And while it is certainly true that if you elect me to the assembly, I will be but one of 150 you can bet that the other 149 will definitely know that I'm there and that I'm there making sure your priorities and your interests are protected. Thank you again. Thank you to Northern Westchester Indivisible Indivisible Action Together up to us and Voices Rising for organizing this session. Get a ballot, whether early or on June 23rd. I'm Kristen Browdy. I'm asking you for your vote.
3: Thank you. And now Jeremiah Fried pearson
1: Don, thanks again for for moderating this. And, and I want to, again, thank our sponsors, Northern Westchester Indivisible, Action Together Northern Westchester, Voices Rising and Up to Us, for being stru- such strong advocates for bringing us all together. And I want to thank every single human being who listened to five politicians talk for 90 minutes. We appreciate that. This is a Democratic primary, and the most important thing is that we elect a Democrat. So I'm proud to support any of my fellow competitors who emerge. <laughs> But we have huge shoes to fill. David Buckwall did a wonderful job in the state assembly, and it would be my great honor to fill his shoes. We're working in unprecedented times. And I have spent my entire life fighting for people who are treated unfairly and changing things, fighting for nurses, fighting for foster children, fighting for people trapped in unsafe nursing homes, fighting for workers being paid less than the minimum wage, And we need those skills in Albany. We need someone who can go up to Albany and deliver for our communities and make real change and guide us through these difficult times while also making the right decisions. I'm proud that I was the first candidate to suspend petitioning when it became unsafe. Um, My competitors were uh, still collecting signatures and going door to door at a time after the NBA season was canceled. And having the judgment not to do that matters. Having the heart and the tenacity to take on powerful corporate interests and beat them matters. Uh, Kristen and I are the only candidates in this race who aren't taking corporate money, and I think that's really important. You want um, people to represent you who can, uh, who aren't beholden and who will stand up and fight for you and deliver for you. And I guess again, it would be my great honor to go to Albany and to be the voice for people in this district who are forgotten and for every single person in this district. If you send me to the state legislature, I promise I will fight with everything I have to make life better for every single person in our community. Thank you very much for taking the time to listen to all of
5: us.
3: And thank you. And now we hear from Alex Roethmeyer.
5: Thank you very much. Uh, Thank you again to tonight's sponsors, our moderators, my fellow candidates, and everyone for joining us this evening. We've been through a lot, but really we're just getting started. We can't focus on the mistakes of the past, but much rather harness the spirit and ingenuity to propel us to the future. Together, we must address the underlying issues of inequality and unpreparedness that were so terribly brought to the surface during this pandemic. I'm a candidate of a generation that's always persevered. As a child, I watched thousands of people die live on TV on 9-11. I graduated, we graduated from college during one of the worst job markets, during one of the worst recessions, and now we've been faced with a global pandemic as we struggle to start our own families, buy our own homes, and take the mantle of leadership for our nation. The question of our time is how do we ensure that each of our citizens have the resources they need to succeed and prosper regardless of what's thrown at us? That's equality, and that's what our nation was founded on. To get there, though, we need an experience, knowledge, and bold ideas. Tonight and throughout this campaign, I have shown you that I am the candidate that best lead us from day one. You can't simply afford a learning curve, nor can we afford a leaders that are stuck in their own ways. I'm not chasing the title of being an assembly member, but I am looking for the hard work that comes with being an assembly member. The work that I've been doing day in and day out for the last seven years in David Buchwald's assembly office. I helped craft the constitutional amendment to fight corruption, and I helped write the law that directly took on Donald Trump and his administration. And more importantly, I've been working back in the district to help all the people of the 93rd solve their day-to-day issues. I truly believe that our best days are ahead of us and that we need people with experience that can get us to deliver for all New Yorkers, whether it's part of my generation, the generations before me, or the generations to come. So I'm asking for your support, I'm inviting you to join our movement and let's send a new generation of leader to the legislator. My name is Alex royth I'm running for the New York State Assembly. Thank you very much.
3: And thank you all. We have come to the end of our program now, thanks to our candidates, to our sponsoring organizations and especially Dan and Mark for putting this all together. And most of all, thanks to all of you, all the voters, for their participation tonight, for coming up and showing up and listening, and most of all, submitting your questions. Stay safe, take care of each other, and good night. Good night. Thank you.
5: Good night. Thank you. Hey.
1: I don't know if everyone's still here, but y'all did a great job
3: putting this. Thank Thank Thanks. Thanks, Thanks very testing. much. You guys were great. You guys Thank were all you. articulate. Wonderful job. Thank, you, so much. Thank John. You, John. See you, again. So long. See
1: you. Well, everyone, stay safe.
3: Stay safe. Okay, I'll catch you offline, Dan. All right, sure.